BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Double G for Fight Game Media. Yesterday... I uh, put in the WCW 96 Patreon episode into this feed, and I mentioned that we're going to try and get all of those shows in this feed so that at the end of this month, John LaRocca and I can finish our discussion on WCW 96 as we end with Starcade, Hogan and Piper, Icon versus Icon, and I figured out what that schedule is going to be, so... For the month of December, starting, well, actually yesterday, we had the first episode. Now we will have the second episode, which you will hear here in a second, and we will do the third episode on Sunday. And what we're going to do is uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday over the next three weeks, uh, we will have, actually the next four weeks, we will have... All of the WCW 96 episodes, there may be one that we actually have to double up on because I think we have 13 in the... Well, we will have uh, 13 or 14 in the can by the time that we're done with the series. So uh, we'll, we'll figure out how to get all of them up. Some of them are actually really short, and I think what I can do is uh, I can put... Uh, we, have, we have a couple of part one and part twos, and we'll put those together just so we can make sure that we get all of them up uh, in time and we don't overwhelm the feed. That's why I'm putting them up on the weekend, by the way. I'm not putting them up during the week. We have our normal shows during the week. And so, uh, yeah, so the next episode here that you will hear right now is going to be our uh, second episode of, uh, of WCW. 96, and I believe this one covers the Super Brawl show. So that is what uh, that is what you're going to hear. And so you'll hear John LaRocca and myself. We're going to talk about uh, Super Brawl, which is still very early in uh, in WCW 96's run pre NWO. And kind of the key thing about these pre-NWO shows is that 
it's really like the Ric Flair and Randy Savage stuff that is working fantastically. Uh, and it's not necessarily the NWO that changes the game for WCW. It is sort of the build and what they're doing pre-NWO. There's also a Brian Pillman story that we're telling in these beginning episodes as well because he is uh, doing the uh, the character that, that would become famous, crazy like a fox character that, that he would do. So this we'll have this one, which is Super Brawl, and then tomorrow uh, we're going to put up the extra show that we did with Liam O'Rourke and he wrote the book on Brian Pillman. So I did an interview with him and uh, Kyle Ross, who previously was on Top Rope Nation. They're, they did they, they do a podcast as well together. Uh, it, it's it's not very regular, but uh, so that's the next two shows. You'll hear the Super Brawl show, and then on uh, on Sunday you'll hear my interview with Liam O'Rourke about Brian Pillman and this time frame. And then next week, we'll keep going, and we'll go to Uncensored, and we'll go to Slamboree, and we'll go to the Great American Bash, and uh, and so on and so on. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it, and you uh, you hang with us until the Starcade episode, which is kind of just the culmination of everything that we've been doing. So, all right. Uh, bonus, another bonus show here for everybody. John LaRocca and I talking the time frame from uh, January through the uh, Super Brawl and also recapping the Super Brawl pay-per-view. Everyone, welcome to episode two of our WCW 1996 show on the Fight Game Media Network Plus. John LaRocca and I, we, gosh, when was it? Like the first of the year, did we review Nitro? Yes, yeah, right before, yeah, the first of the year, our little, we covered the first ever episode on uh, September 4th, 1995, right? And uh, the very first, Mall of America, Hogan, <laughs> Hogan, was it spaghetti place he had? Uh, yeah, Pasta Mania. Pasta Mania. <laughs> Talks about all the important stuff on that show. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if, so if you missed that show, maybe you want to check it out. It you know we did a pretty good job at kind of getting to that point. The history of Nitro, the whole the episode is uh, it's on the free feed. It's on the Patreon, so you you, you should be able to find it. Uh, but in episode two, and this is what we're doing a little differently from our WWF Raw ninety seven is that we're not going week to week reviewing every show. We actually are using the pay-per-views as the landmark, and we're going to talk about everything that happens up until that pay-per-view. We'll talk about that pay-per-view, in this case, Super Brawl 1996 with the double cage match. And then the next time we record will be the Uncensored show. That one's going to be a doozy for sure. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, the Loch Ness. He's uh, Does he even make it? I don't think he makes it. Oh, well, we saw, yeah, we saw him. I, I haven't watched ahead, but we saw him at the end of yeah. Super Bowl. Do you know that the Loch Ness at that point was 53 years old? Yeah. Yeah. He used to be a star in uh, the UK scene, European wrestling scene, but he was very old and a lot of medical issues. 
Yeah, it couldn't move very well. Yeah. It, it was, it was the... an interesting idea for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> what's going on? We'll, we'll, and we'll get to why it's interesting because Hogan is uh, obviously he's still the number one star. Like there are moments on this show where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, and here's the champion, Ric Flair. And here's the number one star in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there's a lot of that going on. Here's the world but title. The- but then the main event, a um- <laughs> lot, lot of Eric Bischoff stuff like that. But uh, Hogan is like for Hogan's sake, he is giving a little bit during this time frame, right? I think he understands the game. He understands the competition and the wrestling war that they're in mm-hmm. more so than than most because he's sort of lived the first one, right? Where he's riding, riding as the champ in, in the mid eighties and, and NWA is on the other side. So he kind of knows that, that he needs to give a little bit here to create some drama, to create people to want to watch every week. And that's what Monday Nitro becomes. So what we're going to do, we'll start, we'll, we'll, we'll do a quick from September of 95 to catch us up to, to the first Nitro with the first Nitro is January the 1st, 1996. Yeah. And the pay-per-view, uh, the I think the Starcade show was like on a Wednesday or something. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, so, it was on a weird week. But then again, people, but back then, well, I was out of high school then, but a lot of kids were off, you know, two-week vacation during that mm-hmm. time. A lot of school districts were like that, so... All right, so let's catch everybody up here. Here's a, a few things that happen in late 1995, one of which WCW just quietly releases, or releases stunning Steve Austin. Eh, no biggie. Mm-hmm. That yep. guy can't draw. He's not good. Not, he's not going to mount anything. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nah, we, got, we got the yellow and the, we got the, uh, the, yellow and the red. <laughs> The red and the gold here. The Loch Ness in the... An interesting, but probably, at, at least, unless I kind of do a deep dive on the history of it, um, I'm, I'm not even sure what this means at this point in 1996. It will mean a lot for the future, but at this point in 1996, Time and Warner Media merged together to create... Mm-hmm. Uh, what What is that? Warner Media Time or Time Warner or Time Warner. Yeah, Time Warner is what they yeah, call Time it. Warner. On the other side, Vince McMahon hires Bill Watts. <laughs> That's right. For like a four-month period, right? Something like that. I think it was less. Yeah. <laughs> and and Vince's idea for Raw is that it becomes like Melrose Place. He wants cliffhangers on every show to lead to the next television show. Didn't know Vince was a big Melrose Place guy. I know. Uh, Melrose Place was specifically in the Observer as what Vince referenced. Maybe that was Dave. He was <laughs> yeah. watching a lot. No, of- it would have been 90210. If it was Dave, it would have been 90210. Yeah, I know, but maybe the wifey at the time or the girlfriend at the time was watching some Melrose as well. You know? <laughs> uh, so big Van Vader, after his tussle with uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, he gets fired in October, October 11th. And also in October, I, I you know what? I didn't even remember this until I started rewatching. There's a, a moment in time where Hogan ditches the yellow and red. And he goes to all black, which is yep. what happens in, in July with the NWO. He goes all black and he does an interview t- 
sort of teasing a heel turn. And I wonder if yeah. this was like Bischoff trying to talk him into it and him going like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do this a little bit and see if it, and then he just goes back. But he, he he's challenges sting savage and Luger runs them all down. And then I didn't even remember this, but then he goes, he shows his black gloves and his black uh, do rag. And he says, everybody knows what people can do with black gloves and a black cap in reference to OJ Simpson. Come on, Hulkster. I don't remember that either, but I, I do remember like this promo and he's like wearing a black mask too as well. Like it, it was very strange and very out of the blue. And I think he wrestles like staying the next week on Nitro, which blew my mind when they announced it, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, you know, but that was like the excitement of Nitro. Yeah. But back then, I didn't think about I was just selfishly thinking like, oh, man, that, that's going to be amazing. But then I'm thinking about business wise, he really wasted a big money main event, you know, <laughs> yeah. though it, they, it did end up making money later on. When they did it. But it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. It's a little bit of a precursor there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hogan loses his title because the evil Jimmy Hart puts in his contract that he could lose the title via disqualification. And that happens that fall at uh, Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. And do you remember that Halloween Havoc show mm-hmm. for what happened before the match? Loch Ness? I mean, uh, no, Yeti? No, no, no so the, 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 the monster that. truck over the, the monster Hall. trucks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I try to, you know, wipe that from my brain. I hate that. And then the Yeti debuts, Ron Reese. And Hogan the, gets double humped. Yep, they get that. And then, um, and then, getting okay? Oh, sorry, the wife popped in. <laughs> she came like, <laughs> running. Continue on. Don't worry, not going to ruin anything. Run in. Run in. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was uh I didn't like that Kobo Hall thing. I was a bear. It's like one of those moments where you're like, oh man, hope my dad doesn't give me grief for watching this monster. Tra-. And then Hogan, like, what is it? No. The giant falls off the roots of the Kobo. Yeah. But then makes a stunning re- like yeah. return, just walks down the aisle. So stupid. A L- little wet from falling in the in the uh in the river there or whatever. In the lake. Do you know on that show too, uh Sabu wrestled Mr. JL, not me in the mask, but it was a sh- it was Jerry Lynn. And he had the Sheik with them, the original Sheik, because it's Detroit, and they had, yep. you know, and the Sheik went into business for himself and threw a fireball at Jerry Lynn. <laughs> he didn't know it was coming? <laughs> well, I think they, I think Jerry Lynn knew it was coming, but oh, okay. no, 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 management. Yeah. You know, and then the best part is like Sabu early on does an Asai moonsault to the floor on, on Mr. JL, but hits his uncle Sheik, who goes down and already has like a bad hip. Oh, man. Yeah. Fun show. Uh, So what happens is that they jack Tunney this decision, Mm -hmm. and the Giant doesn't actually get the title. Uh, Jimmy Hart screwed Hogan, but I don't even know who that guy was who was playing the Jack Tunney guy, but he just comes in the ring and is like, nope, this is not going to happen, and we're putting this belt up at World War III. I think it was like a WCW or or, or CNN uh, Turner official or, or management member or something like that if i remember correctly so at world war three they have this 60 man double ring battle royal and in the opening promo of that show hogan is very angry at the dirt sheets and the internet (laughs) is the real thing brother and he 
I, 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 he's he's mad at Dave, but Dave believes that he's holding he's actually holding a pro wrestling torch issue in his hand when mm-hmm. he throws it in the in the fire and he utters the words, "Observe this, brother." And I have a clip because I asked Dave on the air about this moment because I I wanted to know what he remembered about it because I read his write up, you know it's it's sitting there in the World War Three <laughs> recap issue in the Observer, but I want to play this for folks who are listening on the audio, they may, they, I mean, they may have, they may have heard this because it was on uh, another, an older video, but I wanted to replay it because I think it fits into uh, what we are talking about today. Um, but so I think most people who watch this know what that story is, but maybe over the years, uh, you know, that story, I, I don't know what the reason for that story happened, but I, I, don't, I don't either. I think that Hogan just got a bug up his ass one day and, um, it was bizarre watching it. Um, I just remember that we we watched it, and then Brian Pillman called me that night, and he's just cracking up about the absolute paranoia and about it because he was just like, they went in there and they said like they basically gave away a finish, and then they said that Savage wasn't injured. We worked all the boys, and his one arm was his one arm was half the size of the other, and then Luger worked on the arm to get a submission win on that very show that Hogan opened the show, saying we worked the boys and there's no injury, and it was just like. What is he, you know, that was the weirdest thing. But yeah, he cut this big promo at the beginning of a pay-per-view and just goes, observe this. And actually, I think he threw a pro wrestling torch, not an observer (laughs) in the um, bonfire. But, um, you know, he's going, you know, you guys think, you know, it's it's like it's like he goes, he goes, you guys think whatever. And he goes, the Internet's it, not this stuff anymore. (laughs) And um, and he's going like, you know, you thought that like whoever it was was going to win the battle royal. And the funny part was, is. It was the guy. I even forgot who won World War Three that year, but the guy who was supposed to win got changed. So we had the original one, and then the next week, the week of the show, we had who was going to win. It might have been Savage. I don't Savage, say Savage actually won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Big Show was going to win two weeks before. So Hogan goes in there and goes, "They think that like you know um, the Giants going to win the Battle Royal, and he's not." And it's like you're telling people who's not going to win the Battle Royal, and and I already know it's Savage, and it's already been printed at Savage. And then Savage wins anyway. It's it's it was so. And then he's going like, you know, we worked all you and him and Savage are together, you know, because Savage was in on that. He goes, yeah, we worked you. He's not really hurt. And it's like one triceps half the size of the other, <laughs> and we and everyone knows he tore his tricep. So it's like, you know, whatever. The genesis of observe this brother from <laughs> from the words of, of Dave Meltzer there. Okay, so. Savage wins the the 60-man Battle Royal. Hogan doesn't actually go over the top. You would think Mm -hmm. this is a Battle Royal. He could actually do the job here because he's not getting his shoulders pinned. All he has to do is just get, get pulled over the top rope by someone who's already out or something. Instead, he goes under the bottom rope, but the referee couldn't see. So the referee referee has to see it or else he can't call it. So Hogan's out. He gets screwed. Savage wins. I forget who Savage threw out last. Was it like uh, uh was it like Hugh Morris or something? <laughs> it was like somebody like that. God, it's been such a while. <laughs> but so, uh, what's weird is that they had three rings and there's multiple referees and not one saw this. Yeah, yeah, yeah three rings, not two rings. Yeah, three. Rings. Uh, and, and so I found this information uh, pretty interesting. So Dave wrote that Terry Taylor was in charge of working backstage to get the word to the wrestlers to get mm-hmm. eliminated in the Battle Royal. And he was given a sheet uh, listing the first 50 eliminations. You know who called the last 10? Hogan. Hogan. 
But I wonder, I wonder if that's, but could you, I wonder if that's a true story because I don't, can't imagine the production not, not knowing what was going to happen to shoot it, you know? Like, does one man have that much power to kayfabe the whole production team, the pay per view, broadcasting? If it is true, and, you know, I've been reading the observers. And and so I did not see a follow up to, to Dave. Whenever if Dave is ever wrong, he he usually just mentions it. He he uh, fixes it. Yeah, yeah. The reason why it's sort of believable is the reason that Hogan cut the observe this thing because they were so paranoid of information getting out. And if they mm-hmm. were trying to hide this finish, it would make sense that they were trying to just keep it you know, to, to one or two people. Yeah. And, and the, so that's, that makes sense. But yeah, I agree with you. It sounds like a fishy story. I, gotta, I could probably find out there's, I got channels to Uh-oh. the, to the one of the greatest wrestlers of all time is named Terry Taylor. So I'll, <laughs> there you I, go. Might, I, might, I might see if we can get a, I would I get some confirmation that. on this. Yeah. Tell, tell him to leave you a voicemail with the confirmation. And we can oh no, I don't know how that would happen. He's, oh, but I'm sorry. I trust the person to get the information. I trust. Oh, I know what you do. Yeah. Get get Oliver John to do a Terry Taylor impersonation. Explaining <laughs> it. Does it. If you need a if you need a, a Harley Race or Paul Orndorff, we can and a Ric Flair, we can get that happen for you. All right. So that is leading us through now. Now there's the the Starcade pay per view, which uh, the main event is. Uh, so it's Flair <laughs> and Luger and Sting in, in a triple yeah. threat match. And the winner gets Savage, who is still the world champion. This is the, the weirdest match because Lex Luger is a heel, mm-hmm. except to Sting. He's a babyface to Sting. He's a heel to everybody else. Flair is in the middle of the ring. Sting and Luger are outside. Sting's trying to get in before 10. And Luger holds him, mm-hmm. and they both get double counted out, and Flair wins the match. Uh, understand? I understand the storyline of this Luger and, and Sting thing, which we will talk about in a second, where Luger is a heel to everybody and is a baby face to him. Like, there, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of disbelief here that you have to sort of pretend to, in order to make this thing uh, make any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of that match and the way that they did it to get to this title match with Savage? Actually, the match is pretty underrated. I think it's actually a good match. Um, the finish is weird because why would Luger stop him? But I think I think a lot of things changed with that whole Luger Sting storyline. I think there was going to be this jealousy dynamic with with Luger and Sting, and I think that was like part of it. Um, of course, we know that. A lot of that stuff changed when uh, the "quote unquote" hostile takeover happened, right? And, the, and all that. So, but I think that was going to be a big. I was like one of those little small seeds planted for a bigger angle uh, between Sting and Luger that never materialized because of the the change of plans once Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash came available. So then Flair goes on. And uh, he beat Savage at, at Starcade, and he is the champion once again. I think he's like he's like in his like forty seven ish age range. Is or, he forty seven uh, in ninety five? Because he's no, yeah, no, no, he's forty five. Okay. Because 
he's turned 40 in in uh oh he might be 46 so yeah i guess you're close but uh because 1990, he turned 40. I You're right. You, I think he may be 46 because his birthday, which just passed, would have been... Uh, February 24th. Yeah, would have would have been in, in, in February post-pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and so this pay-per-view, historically, it, uh, had the, the New Japan wrestlers on it. So it was like throughout nine, you know, 85% of the card was WCW versus uh, New, New Japan. And then you yeah. had... The, uh, the the main events there. It was a good pay per view, I thought. That was I think it's pretty strong with the Japanese New Japan versus WWE stuff was really good and yeah it was it was fun and the wild Luger not Luger Ric Flair Randy Savage match at the finals where Savage actually blades Flair Flair for him <laughs> that was crazy yeah. like <laughs> what a, what an old school thing to do but. Uh, <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so here we are. January of 1996. The very first Nitro in 96 is Hogan against Flair for the title. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. That is your main event. Now, they overdo yeah. it a lot. You, mm. you, there, there's lots of Flair Savage. There's lots of Hogan Flair. There's, uh, there's, there's Savage and Hogan together. So... They are utilizing these three guys and Luger and, and, and Sting sort of mm-hmm. right underneath. And they are running with these guys on all of these TV shows yeah. that we're about yeah. to watch. Yeah, like looking back, like, yes, Hogan and Sting in, 90, in November 95, like, dude, why are you wasting that match on Nitro? Hogan Flair, by this time, I think it's okay to throw it on a free Nitro, right? Because we've already seen multiple pay-per-views, you know, two years ago on that, so. So what are the main stories in this time frame? Now, this story is one that we will probably be repeating over and over again because it just increases in the ridiculousness of what happens. But it is Vince McMahon versus Eric Bischoff. Yeah. And if you think that Tony Khan versus Ariel Helwani or versus (laughs) WWE office is like the craziest thing you've ever seen. You have not seen Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. And the reason why I say it like that is because I got some really cool feedback from one of our own podcasters, Scott Young from The Rap. And he was like, you know, I listened to the WWE Raw 97 stuff, and it gave me so much perspective because I was like really young, like watching Mm -hmm. that stuff. And so you know, a really understanding what was happening at that time gave him perspective on that era. And that, you know, we, that's what we're doing here for people who maybe didn't live it like we did. And for the people who did live it, we're sort of reliving it and going even deeper in in some of the stories that, you know, that people already knew or that, that they, they got a kick out of. So this Vince and, and Bischoff thing, you remember billionaire Ted? Yes. Vince uses a character, an actor, in a segment with the Nacho Man and the Huckster. His name is Billionaire Ted. 
And he uses this segment. It's a series of segments that lead up to WrestleMania to call out steroid problems in WCW, as well as make fun of older performers because WCW had you are utilizing Hogan and Flair and Savage who were in, you know, all in WWF just a few years prior. And I, I understand sort of the, you're, you're mocking the other guys. You're like, ah, ha, ha, these, we used to have these guys. We sent them away because they're too old. But at the same time, you're giving these guys free advertising on yep. your television. I found that fascinating in, in the look back. Yeah, and the same mistake was made with Gilbert. Yeah. You know, people were, you know, if they never knew who Goldberg was or why who the why are they make it fun of who they make it fun of here and they find out who it is. Yeah. They turn on that guy and he's destroying people on that show and looks badass doing it. They're like, this guy's badass, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It was free advertising. Um I remember back then I did not like this at all. I thought it was like rude, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, we're making like, fun of our guys, man. Yeah, making fun of, you know, I, I, I enjoyed both promotions and and I thought like why would why would they waste their time with this? And mm-hmm. um yeah, it was free advertising and and it helped the Nitro brand. I also think, like, I don't know, Vince loved to show Eric to how much smaller than he was to him, right? Mm-hmm. So in there's no, it's not Eric Kendall skits. It's billionaire Ted skits. So there's no mention, I don't think, in those skits of an Eric Bischoff. Not at all. He's non-existent. Mm-mm. The real power who he's fighting is Ted Turner, and that was that was done to just piss off Eric Bischoff even more. Yeah, yeah even on my time, level. And at the same time, and I know you, I know you went to the observers. I think Vince made a mistake, not just pissing off Eric Bischoff with these, but then you see Ted Turner would get pissed off more, right? Mm-hmm. So I can see. And so why would you want Ted to? I don't know. Keep open that pocketbook a little bit more. And yeah, more, Ted's you know? kind of like asleep at this point. He's like, yeah, 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 you do WCW Nitro. I have yeah. so many other things going on. And, you know, don't you could just leave this dude alone and it's all and it's, you just got to f- deal with Eric Bischoff. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to some of that. Okay, Dave writes, Titan Sports. I love it when WWE is referred to as Titan Sports. <laughs> Titan Sports is ultimate strategy, which began with the billionaire Ted skits on the first of the year apparently came fully to light this past week. The object appears to make a huge effort to bring out publicly both the millions of dollars in losses suffered by WCW since its purchase by TBS in 1988 and behind the scenes complain to the FTC about alleged predatory business practices about WCW and the TBS organization in competition and throw in drug allegations to muddy the waters as well. The idea appears to be as publicly as possible to paint a negative picture of both the financial situation of WCW, its business practices, and bringing up a possible drug problem to somehow cause the tiny organization in the Turner Empire to be examined by Time Warner, which was just the merger that had happened uh, a few months back, that is expected to take place between the two organizations. Okay. So that that is at least in this case it is they are playing dirty but it is in front of the television they're being very apparent mm-hmm. about what they're doing so at least there is that they're not going behind the scenes they're not 
calling advertisers. They're not like, you know, doing that kind of thing. But still, at the same time, this is uh, just, uh, you know, how many years prior was Vince kind of just like on the high horse and WCW is just not even in, like not even a, a problem, just in the rear view. Right. Mm-hmm. And now they're competing Monday night. And this is WWE's go to plan here. Yeah. WWE's go-to plan. I'm sorry. WWE's go-to plan to yeah, okay <laughs> to compete or to undercut or to low blow or whatever the you know just dirty dirty wrestling war business. I, it's funny to me because I don't think Ted Turner or Time Warner or whatever merger. I think it's just to them. It's just oh, there's a wrestling company part of this. It's another brand they acquired. So I don't think that would this would really get their attention. I think it's just really. Getting, I think it's just a shot at Eric, and ultimately it just helped WCW brand. I think it failed him, honestly. Because then they kind of slow up on no, because it went to WrestleMania, and that was it. The WrestleMania was the the, and I think they were they do anything on screen or some big skit. It was a big skit at WrestleMania, right? They I want to say was it the dark match? The, was the Nacho Man versus the Huckster the dark match that year? I don't remember. Oh, that they had a physical, a real match out there. Because there were there were worries that they couldn't use those likenesses on mm-hmm. TV. But I think they, I think they sort of figured out that it was okay. They just couldn't. That there's something like they couldn't use it mm-hmm. on broadcast TV, or there was something like that. Yeah. Like you couldn't actually physically pr- make the the public believe that that was those guys in an actual match or something like that got it so that's why it was a dark match gosh is there footage of that i've never seen footage of that i don't know man i'm, I'm gonna look it up as, as we're talking here wrestlemania yeah. 12 um so i, I want to see that <laughs> <laughs> so bischoff on his end his part of the war here right his part of the war is when raw is taped he is giving the spoilers out. Yeah. And so that's his dirty play, right? He's like, oh, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to watch Raw or the other program. Who wouldn't say Raw? You don't need to watch the other program. Uh, you know, the the big guy gets super kicked and matches over. Like that's how he's kind of given out mm-hmm. the the spoilers. And he's like, stick around here. I'll tell you what's going on on the other company. So that, that's how Bischoff is playing dirty. So Dave writes again. This is when WCW actually beat WWF Raw at this point uh, by pretty pretty nice margin. Dave writes, the rating came eight days after WCW had its biggest victory to date in the Monday Night Wars, topping WWF by a 3.5 rating and 5 share to WWF's 2.4 and 3.5 share. The margin of victory, the largest to date by either side, prompted Eric Bischoff to call Vince McMahon, <laughs> who didn't take the call, and leave a message with the secretary telling McMahon to continue whatever it is he's doing with the billionaire Ted skits. <laughs> Calling Vince. Would that be in your battle plan? Do you want to wake up the sleeping giant anymore? I think it's, I think he's already woken up, but yeah, he just kind of pushed him over the edge a little more and got the uh, competitive speared out and yeah i think vince was already looking to try to topple wcw but yeah that gave him a little extra push for sure probably would have bishop i mean they should all just 
ignore each other, but it wasn't. Then again, it would be for our benefit benefit because yeah. it was wild. So the match that we're talking about, the Huckster and the Nacho Man, <laughs> on the pay per view, it was the second bout which aired on the free for all broadcast. It was billed as the geriatric match. Uh, the referee for the match was Billionaire Ted. This bout marked the culmination of a series of skits the WWF had aired featuring the three characters. This match did not take place in the Arrowhead Pond, having been pre-recorded elsewhere. The match ended in a no contest with both competitors, along with Billionaire Ted, seemingly expired in the ring. There you go. I bet you it's on. It's got to be on YouTube. You know what? I think I did see that then. <coughs> but it was like, like, what am I watching here? <laughs> All right. So what does Vince do? You know, I, I said, you know, this dude, you're, you're kind of messing with this dude. I don't know if this is the dude you want to mess with. Vince attempts to purchase ad space in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and the ad he's trying to purchase features a photo of Ted Turner in large bold print saying, attention stockholders, has Ted Turner lost $40 million of your money in his personal vendetta against the World Wrestling Federation? (laughs) What are these losses reported in TBS's financial statements? Both papers turned down the ad, although a modified version of the ad was later accepted by the Times and was expected to run in the financial section. (laughs) Can you imagine? This is why I say uh, Tony Khan is sort of lucky in a sense that WWE is is kind of the public company that they are. And Vince is old. He doesn't really have it in him to go dirty like he was. But, man, this is some dirty tactics. Well, Vince is preoccupied with other dirty stuff. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I think Triple H is a strategy. It's just... Do his thing, you know, put quality product, throw him big money out for free agents when they come available on his end, and, you know, that's how he's going to play it. But, yeah, I know. Imagine if Tony Khan had this Vince McMahon, who was like, what, how old Vince here? 50, maybe? Yeah, probably around there. Maybe a little bit younger. Entertaining, but, uh, yeah. Vince and, Vince and Rick are, how close in age are Vince and Rick? Because if Rick is 70, is Rick 74? 74, he just turned 74, he had a birthday. So Vince is probably a couple years older than him. Yeah, so Vince is probably right around 50 or close just, to it. He just had a birthday party. Hulk Hogan was there. <laughs> and some guy sitting down, he looked at before, looked like Loch Ness size, <laughs> but also looked like he had a lot of shipyards. And, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Just the yeah. uh, cheesy gold chains around the neck. I was like, man, who's this guy? You know? <laughs> All right. Power goes out on Nitro. I think it's during a Sting and Luger. Is it against the Road Warriors? It's a it's a match. They're in the ring, mm-hmm. and the power goes out. Yeah, and yeah. Bischoff on air insinuates <laughs> yeah, yeah. that WWE <laughs> WWF has something to do with it. And you know but it doesn't Vince, last long. It doesn't last long. You know what Vince does? Yeah, he has uh, Jerry McDevitt send uh, Eric Bischoff a personal <laughs> letter. <laughs> my goodness Th- this feud must continue it is going to happen throughout the entire year so this will probably be oh. one of our top stories on every every episode is the update on, on what's going on with this uh, is 96 there's a in 98 there's a 
an actual pay-per-view challenge by Eric yes. Bischoff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. What are some other big stories here in 1996 from January to mid-February? Well, like we mentioned, Ric Flair is champion again. What did you think of his pairing with Jimmy Hart? That was weird. Well, it was weird looking back now, but at the time it made sense because the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen are kind of teaming up, joining forces to take down Hogan and his friends. And, you know, there was a guy we're going to talk about that was kind of putting putting the screws to their idea and causing trouble. But it was a, a united front for the most part to try to destroy Hulkamania and Sting yes. and Savage. It's just Ric Flair, you know, unless he unless he had a team of, of guys never really needed a manager or he, he loved the valets but it was just weird seeing him with a manager that's why that's why you liked it. I like that's why you i liked it in the show with you because you you look at the deep things i'm looking at <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at why does flair want this short haircut i i was wondering about that too because he always said that jim hurd was such a yes. giant idiot for wanting him to shave his head and he has the he has the side shaves yeah. in this. In it looks exactly the same from when, right before he left originally. He should never change his. At this point, he still has could do his hair. Yeah, you know, he's not. You know, he should never let it go short. He should have kept it that eighty six to yeah. ninety look. You know, yeah. that's my favorite look. Granted, that's when yeah. I first watched him. So, but still, I thought he looked cool then. It just not. He just looked like a geek with the short hair. In my opinion. yeah, I wonder why. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. sure we can we can find it. We can find the answer. Out. Business Rick. Uh, okay. Um, so he he loses the title to Randy Savage on the Nitro, which was the night before Clash Clash of the Champions, which was on Tuesday. I think they were both taped at the MGM. Yes. They were both at the MGM. You had, you had double nights, Nitro and uh and Clash. But then he gets it back at Super Brawl, which we'll we'll get mm-hmm. into how he gets it back because it's a pretty big storyline here. That match with Savage at that Nitro is awesome. I thought it was pretty crazy. Yeah, the, he, Savage was fired up. That match. Savage is awesome, man. He has something to prove, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Hogan and Savage, the Mega Powers are reunited, and Savage even mentions them as the Mega Powers mm-hmm. uh, at least once that I can remember when I was watching back. <laughs> but at the same time, they're also two of the top guys. So they're kind of going for the same thing, right? They're both going for the championship. And when Savage beats Flair on that Nitro, he kind of sniffs out that, you know, Hogan, why are you so happy that I won, man? You think you could beat me? Is that why you're so happy? Yeah, that was was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone knows the history, the the back, you know, between these two guys. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and and Savage has always been that jealous character guy. And, and, Always jealous of Hogan, so I thought it was great. Yeah, we get a little mystery there. No, no, and, no, no. and Hogan's got to be like, uh, like no, but yes, but but no, like is this you know. is this eighty nine? <laughs> is Elizabeth now the world title belt? So Dave writes, and and I have a I have an updated quote from him actually because I asked him when we were at his house for the Royal Rumble. Dave writes, the more they try and build Nitro on Hogan and Savage every week rather than using them sporadically in the long run the better chance WWF has of staging a ratings comeback. And so when I asked him, I said, you know, why did they use Hogan and Flair and have them wrestle on TV and Hogan and Savage and Savage and Flair? Why did they have them wrestle on TV like so many times? 
his answer, and he's had this answer for a lot of questions. They were in a wrestling war, and that's mm-hmm. what they felt they needed to do in the wrestling war. Yeah. But I did think, you know, watching these shows, I'm like, man, at what point are they going to just run out of <laughs> run out of things for these guys to do because they're constantly together? All right, at the clash, the entire clash is built around the return of Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> now. Based off of this return, the Clash does a giant number. So who who does she come out with? Well, on the babyface side, uh, it was the Mega Powers against Flair and the Giant. That was the main event. Mm-hmm. Coming out with Hogan and Savage, woman, and two unidentified young blonde women. Those two women, none other than Linda Bolea. Hulk Hogan's wife and her sister from what Dave wrote, though that's all he wrote was, I think it was her sister or something to, to that. So I don't know who else that, that woman was. Yeah. Uh, so the weird thing about this is they make very public that Savage and Elizabeth used to be married and that they're divorced. And at this clash, Kevin green is there. Kevin Green, Hogan, and, and Savage do this interview. Hogan s- makes a comment of something like, we don't know who Liz is going to go out with after. <laughs> Friggin' Randy Savage is right there, and they are divorced. Why mm-hmm. would you be such a dick and say that with Randy Savage right there? Was he over it then at the time? Maybe. I mean, did, did he ever get over it? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, how, how much yeah. of a jealous person Yeah, he I don't is. know. But, I mean, that's pretty ballsy that on live television with Savage right? right there. I thought Savage yeah. was going to punch him in the face. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, what drove me nuts is that the Nitro before. Yes. There's a big surprise coming on, on the Clash. And then Bischoff just gets like too excited and goes, it's going to be Miss Elizabeth. She's yeah. here. I'm like, dude, yeah. like, what the? F- you, well, it was almost up for like, like two minutes. And then, yeah, they, they didn't know what the plan should be, right? Is this a mm-hmm. surprise? Do we announce, do, do we use the surprise or do we use her name to promote the show? Like, we don't yeah. know which one to do. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it just, it just drove me nuts because I was like, I knew it was obviously, but I was like, I didn't realize they said it at that Nitro before. Yeah. So there are two. Hogan Flair matches uh, on, in one of them. Uh, Hogan wins by disqualification. That's the one that is on New Year's Day. And in the second one, Flair beats Hogan, and Hogan blades his eye because mm-hmm. the heels get Elizabeth's shoe, and they use the heel to hit Hogan in the face. Yeah, And that's how Flair beats Hogan on TV. Now, Dave wrote that... Originally, that was not going to be the plan. And Flair was uh, a little bothered, even though he was going to face Savage at the pay-per-view. He was going to eat the leg drop and eat the one, two, three. (laughs) Flair was pissed, and Hogan changed the finish on the day of the show. Kevin Sullivan's the booker. We know Kevin Sullivan's the booker. But we also know Hogan's booking all of his own stuff, Mm -hmm. and probably the top stuff in, in, in that sense. So... 
originally was going to win. Flair's pissed. Flair's like, I'm going to WWF, man. Like, forget this. Like, I can't deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Hogan concedes, and he's like, nope, you're winning this match, and, and, and you're going over to win this match. Oh, brother, I forgot about that match at the pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. So, like we mentioned, Sting and Luger are our team. Luger's the quasi-heel, and Sting is the goofy babyface who has to pretend that he doesn't see anything of the heel tactic that's, that tactics that Luger does. Uh, he just knows that they're winning matches, and he does not know why. Sting does not have a VCR. Yeah, They're the tag team champions because they beat Harlem Heat on Nitro. I think that was that the one where Luger hit, uh, was it Booker T with the roll of quarters or something? Yeah, yeah, and it went over the pl- all over the place. And the yeah. referee has to look stupid. And just, yeah. um, I, I, know, I, I know this is a this is a gimmick that you very much enjoyed. Like you enjoyed kind of the mm-hmm. heel Lex, but they're baby oh, faced. Like, okay, now explain to me <laughs> how Sting does not look like the biggest giant idiot of all time. The way I look at it is like Sting knows he's an asshole, but he's always been cool with him. Yeah, you know that's just, but like it's like one of those things. Like, man, that guy, you know, your friend Lex Luger's an asshole, right? But he can always go like, you know what though? But I know the real Lex. Mm-hmm. I know he comes. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like I think we've all experienced people like that, or we thought like, man, why are you hang out with this person? This guy's a jerk. Or yeah, and 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 they always go, well, you know, he's really he's a good guy. He just yeah, you know, Le- Lex. Le- Lex is Lex. Yeah, he's yeah, Lex. yeah. You yeah. know, Lex. I always took it like that, but I and like I thought like. Sting, like I, I can only, like, I used to imagine this in my head, like happening <laughs> in the locker room between these guys when they come out for their, because the, I love their entrance because the entrance will be Sting high fiving all the kids, Luger just pompously walks out the strut is just, you know, snarling at the fans like, yeah, I don't want to touch you guys. Then Sting like turns like, yeah, Lex, come on, that gets all fired up, and Lex like, yeah, he starts, he starts slapping, and I just imagine like, you know, come on, Lex, you know, Sting in the back, come on, Lex, you know. Yeah, you know, it's okay. It's okay to slap high. You know, be cool with the fans. You know, and then it's, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. But then, you know, he just doesn't when things not looking. I, I loved all that stuff. You know, I thought it was great. I wonder why Vince never saw this version of Lex. Well, he saw. Well, he did t- technically he saw the narcissist. He saw the yes, yeah. But when you know, he had to go with the. He was the next Hogan. Yeah, he's looking for the next Hogan, and Luger had the best body of the. But I thought like Luger would have been an awesome heel, you know, challenger. But this ver- this version of Lex, which is just pompous, versus the narcissist. This version is so much better. The narcissist yeah. is just way over the top. You're just like, okay, yeah, of course, yeah, it's gimmicked up because that's what WWF was. You know, a lot of gimmicks back then. Um, but man, Lex Luger just. Lex Luger, 89, Le- heel Lex Luger, man. That that guy is money main event, in my opinion, and that's who he should have had. You know, That could have been a great rivalry, him and Bret Hart and WF, but it didn't happen, though. They did wrestle, apparently. I know they did wrestle on the house shows. It's Narcissus and Bret Hart, which apparently is on Peacock, on one of those Bret Hart compilations. That oh, really? Someone, someone just posted, like, footage of the match, and I'd never seen them wrestle each other. And I asked, too, as well. I think Richard... Uh, Bahara, right? Bahara, Richard uh, Bahara. He asked too, like, "What's this match Sarah, from?" And it's Sarah. But, I think, but, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rich. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, 
he asked too, like, where's this from? And the, the person posted like a clip of the screenshot of Peacock's, like a Bret Hart compilation. Oh, wow. I'm going to go back and watch cool. that match because I think it went lots, of, lots of stalling from Lex, I, I'm gonna ima- I imagine. Love it, man. All right. So Medusa in late 95 comes out with the WWF women's title and throws it in the garbage. <laughs> so her character at this point, there's like a B-level storyline here, maybe even a C-level storyline yeah. with, with uh, Sensational Sherry and Colonel Parker. They're about to get married. And what we realize is Medusa is Colonel Parker's side woman here. And when Sherry realizes that Medusa is, is the side woman, they get in a, a, a bit of a conflict. So I'm just like watching this thing going like, okay, like Medusa's is younger. She looks like she's like a, a fighter. Scary. Uh, Sherry's a little bit on the older side, but you know, they, Sherry always did a did a good job as her character. Mm-hmm. They have one match based off of this beef, and Sherry rolls her up to win the match. <laughs> I know. Supposedly, you know, I, I'm actually Dave and I are actually going to interview Medusa at some point. I, I may try to sneak in some WCW '96 questions ever so subtly. We'll see. We'll see if I can do it. Her but supposedly. The, uh... Yeah, her, her she's pretty open. I mean, from that interview that Justin and Fumi did with her. Yeah, yeah, very open. Yeah, she has a book coming out, right? I have it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you borrow it if you if you uh, want to check it out. Yeah, I'd love to read it. Yeah. Um. So the supposedly Medusa gives Sherry a German that she didn't know was coming, and she got really angry. Mm. But Sherry was on a little bit of. Uh, uh, thin ice because you know she had her issues back then and and so yeah. she didn't really want to make a giant commotion but she's soon she, she's gone for, from wcw yeah. very soon thereafter but i just found it weird that medusa comes in and i guess maybe you know sherry's the baby face she's the woman scorned in this situation maybe she should win but mm-hmm. i don't know i just found medusa's like oh medusa's like a killer and then we have sherry win with a roll-up that was kind of weird. i just think it's kind of just stupid to have medusa come in Drop the belt, make a big statement to do be part of this storyline. Yeah. Dumb. Okay. Two of our favorites are back in WCW. They are the Road Warriors. They are back to face Lex Luger and Sting. They show up at the clash. What did you think about this version of the Road Warriors? Because we just talked about. Mm-hmm. the the older version of the road warriors in our w, in our wwf raw stuff what did you think about these road warriors felt very similar to the 98 road warriors and 97 warriors we're, uh, we're talking about um in a raw review i hated the blue look when they came with blue shoulder pads and spot in the, in the black spikes and the you know blue and black uh gear colors i just just be black, dude. Like, to be badasses <laughs> again. And I didn't like that, that right away they're already wrestling, you know, Sting and Luke. But I know that at the time it's, it's a wrestling war and they're just throwing big matches out there. But, I mean, God, it, was just been, it would have been beneficial for, like, three weeks at the minimum. Yeah, yeah. Have them come in to smash undercard teams and just kind of, like, just quick matches. It doesn't have to be long. Just just be the Royal Warriors of old. Just come in and just smash fools. I always then, think of Super Brawl 91 
where they made that Sting and Lex and mm. Steiner Brothers match feel like so big, right? Yeah. With the video package and that sad music and are you friends? Are you not friends? And then the match was great. Mm-hmm. And they probably could have done something similar with, with this, but they decided to just really, really get that get in there quick. And it, I feel like it kind of exposed the Road Warriors. And plus, I think Animal Two was not really um, back. You know, getting all the rust off because he was out for a very long time. And he, I think, that, just came... it's part of the storyline. They're like, this yeah. dude has a bad back. Yeah, he because he just came back. I think that year. I want to say it was the Tokyo Dome, maybe? He wrestled with Hawk and Kensuke Sasaki, who was a power war at the time. And they did like a six-man tag or something like that. And then he just came back. So I want to, I think Animal's a little bit rusty. But man, dude, I thought the matches were a lot better than, from, than <laughs> I watched. Especially that pay-per-view, we'll talk about that match. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, you're going to be... I'm interested in your thoughts on some of dave's star ratings when we get there. Oh, yeah, I'm probably gonna be on the same because <laughs> all right so um <laughs> D- dave writes this very interesting paragraph and he says in an in an example of how booking philosophy and pro wrestling has changed from the 70s to booking to placate egos rather than to maximize matches savage who put up an incredible fit after being booked by Ric Flair to put him over last June, despite Flair using a gimmick in the finish, lost Mm -hmm. via submission once again to Lex Luger on Nitro. Flair, who never wins against top-level guys, got a pin victory over Sting, although tainted by interference from Luger. But Flair doesn't like to win clean over almost anyone anyways. And this is Luger trying to remove Jimmy Hart from the situation and mm-hmm. sting doing a stinger splash and hitting the Jimmy, Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Cause Lex was, was right there. It, it, it wasn't super graceful, but I got the, uh, I got the picture. It was a, it was a, it was a, cl- it was a cute finish for sure. So Dave writes in the seventies, this would lead to flair versus Luger, but in the nineties, it leads to flair losing the title to Savage Sent savages and, and as sent savages getting the strap, he'd be in the mood where he'll put someone over on the way. But Flair, who almost never wins, is given the win over Sting as a consolation prize for having the title taken from him. And the match is hyped for 122 Nitro on January 22nd when the switch was initially planned to take place. The title may not change hands that night and it may be moved to the February pay per view. And after all this is printed, WCW could conceivably change plans again. So this is yeah. this is what happens when the guys are kind of in charge of, of their stuff, right? And, you know, Kevin Sullivan is, is the guy, and he's got to placate all these egos. Eric Bischoff yeah. is involved in some way, and he doesn't want his, his guys to get angry to leave because he needs them for TV. So there's uh not a lot that kevin could do so we get like these really kind of convoluted stories that don't really match what we're used to in pro wrestling and and we 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 don't see the egos piece of it as much today but it's almost like sometimes when you see the booking they look at stuff like 96 wcw and go oh see they did it then so now we can do something similar rather than understanding that yeah, the reason they did that is because all these guys were fighting to be the top guy in the company. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more. A lot of that went for a very long time, not just in these 
this oh, time. Yeah. It's always been I, like that. Sure. And today, but you, didn't, but you don't have one guy sort of being in charge and like Vince McMahon Sr., right? The famous story of Vince McMahon Sr., Billy Graham, you're winning the title, but you're mm-hmm. losing it on this date. Bob Backlund's going to win. And no yeah, matter yeah. how great the business was by superstar Billy Graham, and no matter how much he wanted, to, he fought it and fought it and fought it, he still had to lose because that was what the plan was. Yeah, and there's still, there was still, uh, you know, respect. I think with some people, you know, there's chaos. Plus, don't forget the creative control. Sure, Hogan's and contracts. Control. Yep. So he always had that. He always can just, t- hey, let me call my lawyer. You know. Yep. So I mean, that's that's, that's they should never give anyone that power. You know, should never have done that. I don't know why they decided to do that, but. Well, at the time, I'm sure they're just trying to do anything they could to, to sign Hogan in '94. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, WCW. Even though Nitro's doing very well, they're still not really selling tickets. They're papering about half of the house for mm-hmm. for every Nitro. Uh, and what did you think about the plethora uh, of some young, but some just different talent? You had Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, public enemy. Conan. They bring in Conan, <laughs> yeah. whose style does not mesh with anybody else's style at this point, except Psychosis. At and... oh, sure, flash, right? even, even oh, they we're gonna talk about that. that. We gotta talk about that match. Oh, for even sure. they messed up that finish. My, oh, wow, well, yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Well, that's what part of the, you just never knew who's gonna show up, and they started adding these young guys, and of course, you know, we just watched. Uh, you know, ECW was hot with all these young talent. All of a sudden, they're showing up now in WCW, and yeah, very exciting time. Of course, you're hope you're hopeful that they were going to move up the card, right? But some did, some didn't, and of course, that would be part of their downfall. And WCW's downfall. Yeah. Okay. So let's before we get to this pay per view, we got to mention one more guy. This man's name is Brian. Pillman. Mm-hmm. They are calling him the loose cannon. <laughs> you know what I realized? I, I just had I assumed that Dave kind of knew the deal the whole time. Dave did not know the deal the whole time. It seems like maybe Wade Keller was kind of the one who was in on it first, was just like, this has got to be uh but Dave covered himself a lot. Dave Dave would write things like this is either the greatest work in the history of wrestling or Brian Pillman's about to get fired tomorrow. Like he would yeah, write yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is not only from, from the observers, but also from uh, the, the great uh, Liam McGregor book. And for this podcast, I kind of want to talk to Liam and just, you know, do you know, a quick segment or something uh, about Brian Pillman. Maybe we'll share it uh, for free or something. Cause I find that book so fascinating I thought Liam did such a great job with it. And if, 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 if anybody hasn't, uh, hasn't checked that book out, check it out. So uh, Kim Woods, who is uh, Brian Pillman's friend, uh, I think they knew each other. I think he's a strength and conditioning coach uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the idea was, you know, Brian wanted to increase his value. He wanted to get a real contract, a real main event wrestler's contract. And uh, Kim Woods says, you know, the way to do this is is you have to con the con men. You have to get Eric Bischoff in on the idea. And even stage a fight between the two of you 
to show the boys that you know this this might be something that that is that is that is a uh, real that is that is going on so the whole idea was to create a bidding war for Brian Pillman's services so we're going to play WCW against WWF Bischoff and Pillman were in on it from December 1995 and on so anything that happens in January Bischoff is completely in on it yeah, Bischoff yeah. doesn't know that Pillman's ultimate goal is to become a free agent and to bid, you know, the, have the companies bid for his services. Mm-hmm. You know, Bischoff just thinks this is cool. He's like, oh, you know, I, I this is a cool thing. I'm I'm involved. I, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're gonna work the boys. So <clears throat> Kim Woods did not want Brian to talk to Meltzer initially, because if he talked to Meltzer. He would have to lie to Meltzer, and that could cause, you know, down the line, if he ever does tell Meltzer the story, Meltzer might be like, "Oh, you, I don't know if you're lying to me or not." So, yeah, yeah. he does. He doesn't tell. He doesn't tell Meltzer at this point. Pillman goes to the Natty convention, and he uses Dave Meltzer's press pass to get in. <laughs> Dave Meltzer had just finished he, he he'd done he had his press pass runs into brian brian's like hey let me borrow your press pass because i want i want to come in dave's like sure gives him the press pass brian pillman goes and he huddles up next to vince mcmahon <clears throat> vince has no idea what's going on jim ross is there and pillman just kind of buddies up to them and and saying goofy stuff and vince is just kind of like trying to be professional and Brian Pillman winks at JR and he's like, it's all a work. And so Ross and Vince are kind of like, wow, this guy is like doing some kind of creative stuff here. What's going on, mm-hmm. you know, to create interest with those guys. So then the, so that's the deal with the NAPTI convention. Now Kevin Sullivan is in on the deal and as the booker and on the nitro before super brawl, they are in a tag match with each other, just no selling. Yeah. What did you think about this match watching it back? Oh, I love this back then. You know, I watched it multiple times. And yeah, because people are analyzing, is it real? Is it for Yeah, this, you know, this, is, like, this is like the, the wrestling Zapruder film. Yeah. And then there was a point where like Pillman, no, no, no Sullivan goes for Pillman's eye, you know, and you hear Arn audibly go, not the eye, Kevin, not the eye, you know? So yeah, it's, and there's a lot of people think they about that. Like, why would, you know, you know, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun back then. You know, the, I remember watching this multiple times because we're just like, is it real? Is it not? And it was a big discussion. Uh, and so uh, is this the match where Sullivan cuts the promo and he breaks the pencil? Or was that the, was that no. on the WCW Saturday night? stuff leading into super brawl it might be saturday night. i don't remember seeing it on our my when i was re-watching some stuff here so the pencil signifies that kevin sullivan is the booker mm-hmm. little yeah. subtle inside thing for the inside fans who understand oh he's breaking the pencil because he's saying now i'm the wrestler kevin sullivan this i'm not the yeah. booker here um so at the clash uh I, circling mm-hmm. back a little bit at the clash pillman grabs Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Heenan freaks out and says audibly, what the F, he doesn't say what the F, 
what yeah. the f are you doing and he wigs out mm-hmm. now bobby heenan historically neck problems from all the bumps he took as a, as a manager back in the day and so he's worried that like he doesn't know what's going on with pillman he's worried that pillman is just like some freaky dude and is going to screw around and he doesn't want to get hurt and then he kind of composes himself comes back to the broadcast and apologizes for for what had happened but that was yeah. kind of weird I thought it was that a was little crazy. over the top for Bobby, but I was like, wow, maybe he did really think this guy was like unpredictable, right? Well, that was the talk of the locker room, right? With the boys and everyone like about Brian and, you know, his attitude and how he's probably talking down about the promotion, all this stuff being unpredictable. And then, but there was a, there was a giveaway. I'm pretty sure now looking back, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite Brian Pillman moments is when Eric Bischoff interviews him at the clash. Yes. And he comes out and Brian does his, you know, it just seemed like, why would he get, give this guy such a stage if he's such a, a problem. Right. Yeah. I think that was a, 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 a bad move on Pillman and Eric's part to do that. Though I like what Pillman said. I'm gonna... Well, I was going to say multiple times on nitros, Pillman would do something and Bischoff would go to commercial by saying something like, Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, you know, this guy doesn't have a lot of time left here. Or he would say stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. He's getting out of hand, or this is yeah, yeah. But, but my favorite part of that interview is just when Brian Pillman's talking about the seven seven things you can't see on television. He starts like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was fantastic. But still looking back, it's like, yeah, they probably if they wanted to keep this, you know, people think it's gonna be real, they should have done that interview. You know who's who's in on I mean who realizes that this is a work before just about anybody else disco inferno oh is this goes the one is he saying that yeah now? disco's the one saying uh-huh. they're just working the boys they're working the boys <laughs> um now here's a wacky story so dave writes uh at the Orlando Residence Inn, where many of the wrestlers were staying now this is during those uh, those tapings that they would do mm-hmm. uh those long tapings. Uh, there was a hostage situation. At about midnight, a woman was thrown out of her room naked outside in 20-degree weather while the guy in the room barricaded himself and the SWAT team had to come tear gas him out. Mm-hmm. They had to evacuate all the rooms while this was going on, which included both WCW wrestlers and officials. Apparently, the scene was almost directly out of a bizarre movie with Pillman and Disco Inferno, in character, saying that the horsemen were here to save the day. <laughs> and him having everyone so confused as what to make of it, they had people believing he was actually going to try and apprehend the guy himself. Uh, which he didn't do. Although, we've got reports that after the guy was apprehended, Pillman kept giving him the four-finger horseman signal. So much <laughs> so, so much so, he convinced the cops to let him take a photo with the guy who just got tear gassed out of the building. <laughs> what is this guy? This guy's crazy. Uh, is that photo out there? Was it in the book? What, do we have that? Crazy like a fox, man. That's the name of Liam's book. Oh, uh, dude, I could just see him right now. That those damn because he's he was doing that on Nitro. Remember going to people throwing the four fingers in their face and yeah, I can see him just. <laughs> I love it. I wish I was there to see this. Uh, okay. <clears throat> the, the, the last thing about this was uh, 
uh, I think he was the original contender for Savage at Uncensored before they switched all the all the pay per views around, all the matches around. And you... if you're Pillman, you don't hmm. want this match, right? Well, you don't want to do the job, right? Yeah, you lose, and then you kind of yeah. The, all, all, all the all the stuff you're doing is kind of over. Well, I do know he did not want to be in that match. They eventually did. Yeah, we'll get to. As well. uh, I'm yeah. sure we'll get to that. That Hogan yeah, wanted him in there. He wanted to, to beat him. Yeah, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, I think he he actually is fired on uh, February the fifteenth. <laughs> and uh, this, I think he goes to ECW, but I haven't read yes. that that far ahead in, in all this stuff to because I want I want to, you know, I want to continue the yeah. continuation here. All right, let's get to this pay-per-view. The Bayfront Center. The show drew a sellout of 7,200 fans, 6,000 paying 90,000 for the house with at least 1,000 turned away at the door. I'm going to read to you the dark matches. There were four dark matches. The Road Warriors beat Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater in two minutes and seven seconds. Well, this was probably a, uh, the main event, live main event, right? Oh, is that what it was? Okay. I think so, yeah. Uh, Hugh Morris pinned Chris Canyon with a moonsault in 228. Mm-hmm. Bubba Rogers, VK Wall Street, and uh, beat Craig Pittman and Joy Mags in 214. <laughs> and Jim Duggan was scheduled against a surprise opponent who turned out to be Kevin Sullivan. After about 30 seconds, Loch Ness waddles to the ring and destroys Duggan, Pittman, <laughs> Mags, Mark Starr, Ricky Santana and Dave Sierra with elbow drops. All yeah, Dave wrote a... was it was yeah. really bad. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't even get up really without use of the ropes and stuff. All right. Match number one, the nasty boys beat public enemy in a street fight in seven forty nine. giant brawl tables, chairs. Somebody took like a crazy bump, missed the, the table or, Bounced off of the table and hit the floor. It looked yeah. kind of nasty. Uh, you know, Dave writes no psychology, but <laughs> this is kind of like some of the stuff that we see today. Uh, yeah, yeah, but say, shit, we got, we got five. Looking back, it's five stars now. <laughs> uh, he said the crowd was on their feet since yeah. the blows were so stiff. Um, and they wound up brawling to the back where they had set up a fake concession stand. Rocco comes off the low balcony with a senton onto a table when Nobbs moved, and he went through the table, and Nobbs pinned him. What would you think of this yeah. match? Um, I remember liking it back then. Um, still wild. Not not as good as Cactus Jack, Max Payne versus the Nasty Boys from Spring Stampede 94, but it was entertaining. I'm going to give it the three. I'm going to give it the – I'm going to say it was pretty good for because there was no rules, so there was okay for the – for the chaos, so I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna get it three solid stars, two and three quarter. You were really right. close. Yeah, and I saw your uh, outline of the show. And I, I stopped at the uh, Super Brawl review. So I okay, okay. <clears throat> the 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 thing that I liked about this match was that it was the opener. You couldn't. I don't think you could have put this match anywhere else on this card. Yeah, but fuck. I mean, we might have needed it later on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my favorite match on the show. Johnny B. Bad mm-hmm. retains the WCW title 
and the $6.6 million from Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> in just under 15 minutes. Good match. They would they sort of had this match on TV like a bunch of times. Yeah, and pay-per-views too. And pay-per-views. Um, bad reversed DDPs attempted a tombstone pile driver and mm-hmm. delivered one of his own for the win. What do you think of this one? Oh, it was good. I liked it. Um, they had, Those two had really good chemistry together, you know, actually at the end of 95. Um, they wrestled, was that, uh, is it Super Bowl, Fall Brawl, and Halloween Havoc? They wrestled and had really good matches and they, they had a nice feud. They they just had good chemistry. I think they both worked out a lot together in the power plant and stuff. And so they just always, and they're always doing innovative stuff. Like, well, not, well, not innovative. They were doing stuff that they took from Japan and Lucha Libre and incorporated their matches. So I enjoyed Kim, it. Kimberly Falkenberg at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was involved in this feud and it was you know who's gonna win her ddp or try to be bad and you know oh she, it was it was kind of an early women's rights kind of thing uh but then you know she was <laughs> she was like doing gymnastics and tight clothes uh, i thought she was much better in like the gowns and like the very prestigious you know kimberly from later years in in wcw nitro but uh, she was involved in this not very good in her role yet no she's still young and well, young and green and very over the top, but I like the Diamond Doll. I like I like their their updated version of uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. All right, Sting and Lex Luger beat the Harlem Heat to retain the WCW Tag Titles in eleven forty nine. The winner of this match was to face the Road Warriors later in the show. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize this, but the announcers were saying that the Road Warriors were fresh. Since they hadn't wrestled, but they did wrestle on uh, on the dark show on the main event. Yeah, um, they only wrestled a two minute match, which yeah, destroyed true. Buck and Slater. What was Finished. Luger on in this show? What you think? What Luger was he was on? on something? You he didn't so? look right. Well, I, don't I, know. I, I, I thought he had a off. bad night for sure. Yeah, very bad night. bad night. Very bad night. A lot of mis- it seemed too, and they all had a lot of mistimed stuff. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Dude, I I can't believe how rough this was. You know. So Stevie Ray has Luger in a backbreaker over the shoulder, and the Road Warriors do a run in, and Animal hits Ray, uh, Stevie Ray with something, and Luger falls on top of him, and he wins the match. It's like a weight or something they were saying. I couldn't really see what he had in his in his uh something he used before. I don't remember, but he had some kind of weight or. I, does it really? Why would the they're trying to explain the why the Road Warriors wanted Sting and Luger, but they would get whoever won the, with the tag titles. It doesn't matter who won the match, right? Well, because Luger cheated in the match that they yeah, had they wanted, before, so he's mad. Yeah, that's right. And You're Luger's right. making fun of his back and calling yeah. him an old man. Yeah, but yeah, this match was rough and it just got rougher with the. But uh, oh, by the way, trying to be bad and DP. I'm gonna say. Three stars as well, you know, different matches than before, but still three star match. And then this three and match, a okay. Then this match, star and a half, half of a star. No, you're right, uh, star and a half, exactly, star and a half. Oh shit, yeah. Okay, Conan beats <laughs> the one man gang. <laughs> I love this match because it's so fucking bad with a somersault body block. Off the ropes. Was this a rib? I don't know. 
because Dave, Dave called it a worst match of the year candidate. Oh, for sure. It made a decade. Like it was like Conan was pissed off. Like something happened where he, Conan just looked like a goofball. What happened? What was it? Oh shit! I got. It. I watched this like last week. So he did something that looked totally stupid. And but one man game was professional. Just kept walking through it. Like he just kept going. I think was it some he, kind of slam or something? Th- so he was on offense, mm-hmm. and he did a move. And I think the one man gang like was just way out of position. So Conan, <laughs> instead of hitting the move, he just bumps on his back or something. Yeah, almost like a, he was trying to hit a drop kick or some sort or something, and yeah. just totally just fell. Yeah, but it was like, but like Gang was smooth with it, like transition right into the splash, which. Conan kicked out of. I thought they. I thought that shouldn't have happened. I thought, you know, Conan, you know, Omega, uh, Omega, Owen Man Gang should have just uh, protected his splash still then. But, but Conan, after he wins with that somersault off the top rope, just r- gets right out of the ring and he slapping high five the family. He is pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that's negative one thousand points uh, stars on that one. That was just yeah. Dave gave it negative two. Oh yeah, it had to be. You could I mean I'm surprised it's not a dud, right? Or maybe is dud worse than negative? Or no. Or negative uh, good question. I Last feel like dud is I feel like dud is sort of saved for like matches that don't even really get started and got it. I think negative two is probably worse. Negative sixteen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan against Brian Pillman in the I respect you booker match. Uh, it was it was a respect strap match. Pillman's the one who comes out with like the strap. Supposedly he'd like had it like all week yeah. or something. And they don't even get started. It's 59 seconds. And Pillman just kind of quits in the middle of the match and audibly says, I respect you, Booker Man, and walks out. What do you think the live crowd thought was going on there? Because I don't think they would have been able to hear that, hear what he said. Well, he said it on the live mic, but it was quick and i think some people i'm sure there's less you know smarter fans a smaller audience than the casual viewers that are there i'm sure it got around but i mean when i when i was you know oh my god i can't believe you said that and that was a big talk you know the internet right after and then um but it was crazy there but you could tell like they're leaving themselves open to some shots you know and they're just potating each other and I think only Pillman once kind of got close to Sullivan's face with a strap. But Sullivan did try to hit, did connect with a punch to the face, but it wasn't an open. It was a work punch, though. So mm-hmm. it was weird. But um, then it got weirder after that, of course. Yes. So he walks out and... Uh... Yeah, I think the the idea is supposed to be that this dude is about to get fired. And yeah, that, that that's what they want to to say. Okay, so then all of a sudden, Arn Anderson in his uh, church shorts comes out. I thought he was just came came out from the the course. <laughs> and uh, they have a match for some reason, and it goes for about almost four minutes. And Ric Flair comes out, and he's like come on guys, we have the same enemy. We need to be united against Hogan and Savage. Like, what are you guys doing? And it just ends. That's it. They brought them together, flared out in his shirt. It was like goofy. When he came out with a t-shirt on and his wrestling and trunks. His and boot. <laughs> yeah. Like almost like he came out of the shower. Right? Like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
dad put some pants on i got i got friends over you know we can't be running around the house gender wear um exactly. yeah just you know it was a creative it was a good way to get out of that because there's flair talking to the leader of the the dungeon of doom this hey, combined our efforts we got a bigger bigger problems that's hogan savage yeah uh, by the way back to back double duds for for dave i did a dud okay Dud. That it, that was a dud. That I guess they, yeah, I guess those are two separate matches technically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We get Sting and Luger against Road Warriors. Should have been like one of the biggest tag team matches of all time. Should have been That's Sting cool. and Luger versus Iron Brothers since you brawl one. Yeah. Exactly. That style. It goes to a double countout, and uh, and they retain. Sting and Luger retain their tag titles. Uh, Luger stalls forever, doesn't want to get in the ring. Uh, and the um, the crowd is is kind of behind the Road Warriors, but then the match wasn't that good. Lots mm-hmm. of missed moves. And then the horrible double count-out finish because no one wants to lose this match. I don't remember. Do, are they setting this up for another, for a third match? Like, where are we going with this? There is another match on the pay per view, and it's even wackier than you think. You remember when you, we get there, it's it's really bizarre. But um, yeah, this was a bummer, man. And then, well, of course, I, you don't want to beat the Road Warriors on their first pay per view in. So this, I don't know why you even book this now. It's just dumb. I didn't even um, realize that that was the plan. I thought it was. I thought it was against Harlem Heat, and then at some point the Road Warriors were going to get the next shot. I did. I had no idea. Even watching the TV, I didn't realize that it was going to happen on the same show. Yeah, me neither. I totally forgot about that. At one point, Hawk is doing his uh, rude awakening move, but Sting thinks it's going to be a quicker neck breaker. They totally missed a neck breaker. Now I'm trying to remember: is this match or the Harlem Heat Luger Sting match? But something's going on in that ring. Nick Patrick. I was telling Tom Castro about this because I just watched it. I was like, we always, <laughs> you know, we talk about a lot of stuff that happens in the ring. It's just so funny, you know, when there's the communication, especially when he's working and stuff. There's just funny stories. And then, and I'm like, dude, I want to know what is going on in Nick Pat. Who's, who's saying what to Nick Patrick? Because that's Nick Patrick is holding the WCW World Tag Team titles up. He is wants to burst out laughing so bad. He's doing whatever it takes to keep it. You can almost see the cheeks puffing up and his mouth, like trying to keep it all in. I don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm trying to remember, is this the match too? Luger is in the wrong quarter forever. And everyone's staring at him. And then finally Sting has to go there and tell him, like, no, you're gonna need other corner. So I wonder if that was a hard one. It was so I think Luger was something was up with Luger, man. He was totally. You know, I, I I don't know. Was he? I think back no. then he. If I, well, if we believe him, he yeah. didn't start doing stuff later. Yeah. Later, right? But we don't know. You know, if he was partaking early on. All right. What what is your Meltzer rating here? <sighs> Remember the 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 bar has been set with Conan and, and the gang <laughs> at minus two stars. Yeah. Um. I'm a quarter star. Minus one. Oh, I still gave it because I like Luger's thing. I gave him a quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, no. it is really cool seeing these four dudes in the ring together. 
Yeah. But man, it was like, it made you realize even in 1996, you're like, this is a few years too late for the poor road warriors here. Very much so. They, the, the road warriors are just, you had to kind of restart them up again, you know, like, like, like they were just, you know, making a debut in Georgia as a, for the first time. You just need to have them right. smash people, get them over again. All right, two more matches here. We start with the first of two cage matches. Ric Flair pins Randy Savage to win the WCW title yet again. This is the semi-main, by the way. (laughs) Uh, There's some weird stuff that happens in this match. Flair beats up the ref for no reason, like right early in the match. I have no idea why he did that. Yeah. Right? It was weird. I was like... What what are they what is this leading to? What is this has got to be a there's got to be a reason for this. The only thing I can think of, like, because you remember the nitro before when Hogan when when um was it this was that the flare sting one? The nitro before? Or God, who was it? It's flare versus no flare versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yes, yes, yes. And that's and he I forget who the referee was. It wasn't this no, it was Jimmy Jett was the referee. And Flair, like you know, Flair has to figure for on Marcus Alexander Bagwell. He won't let it go. The referee is like counting him, and he just punches the referee in the face. And they got a huge reaction. <laughs> and I just, that's the only thing I could just think of, like why he did this, because the referee, which I forget his name, God, it pisses me off. I forgot Scott Sadlin, maybe, but because the referee stayed in the ring the whole time. He like after he got his bearings, you know, he was back to officiating, no disqualification, and nothing like that. Stupid. I don't know why Ric Flair did this. So there's another weird. Okay, there are a couple more weird things. Savage pulls Flair's trunks, and Flair's bare ass is hanging for like three or four minutes. Like this dude is just showing ass for some shots. A good chunk got, of this match. And the some shots he might have got the old uh, a <laughs> little bit of back sack action. Fucking. <laughs> And apparently Flair, you know, as we heard, he's very proud of his uh, male member. He could us, <laughs> you know. Um, there's another moment in this match where it looks like it's a, a building up to giant spot. Now, at this point, woman is with Flair. She she uh, she had turned on Team Savage like before this. So she's she is with Flair. Mm-hmm. She, she has powder. Savage okay. is hanging on on the cage. And she gets the powder, and she's ready to throw it in Savage's eyes. Right as she throws it in Savage's eyes, well, actually, like a second and a half before, he drops. So she yeah. just throws it into no man's land. I was yes. like, "What were you supposed to miss the powder? What's going on yes. here? I, 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 I didn't understand that spot, because probably because they didn't do it very well. But it, it didn't look like Savage purposely avoided the powder like a baby face would it just looked like it was an accident like he was the way that it looked she was supposed she was supposed to miss it which drew the referee to her to chastise her for what she did and that's when elizabeth right turns on savage and closes the door on savage and everything like that yeah yes. another bizarre thing that happened in this match too as well and i wonder i sh- should have brought this up earlier. I wonder if this is also a reason why Flair punched the referee just to do it. You remember the, how long it took for that chain door to get locked? The bell rang. <laughs> the referee is for like two minutes still trying to put this chain do- lock on this door. Savage and Flair are circling, looking at each other like, well, fuck, are we going to – we're going <laughs> to 
rest we start they start wrestling the referee still closed the door and i think maybe they got a little heat on hot on that maybe that's why are you telling me this is like brock lesnar just f5ing random refs when he's not supposed to (laughs) i've heard that story too (laughs) i just think maybe that like i think maybe that's the reason why too so it's a very bizarre night but but the plan was women to miss for the referee to be on her and that's when uh miss elizabeth turns which which i thought was awesome Nice. Yeah, so, it was great. Yeah, was a- so, so Miss Elizabeth, who we first saw at the Clash, I still thought she was. She looked like Miss Elizabeth. She's a little bit older, obviously. She's ten years older from when we first saw her in in WWE. Still but I still thought I was like, man, she still looks great. Mm-hmm. So she comes out uh, and and takes off her shoe, which now we are led to believe. Oh, when the shoe got that Flair used, maybe Elizabeth was with him back then. Mm-hmm. And Flair uses it on Savage to win the match. So poor Savage, man. Woman turned on him, and now Elizabeth turned on him. Not 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 the greatest month of of Savage's wrestling life here with the ladies. Uh, what did yeah. you think Dave gave this match? Three and a, three and a quarter. Three and a half. Oh, all right. All right. Hey, man. This is I like yes. Miss Elizabeth turning because I thought it was I didn't ever expect, expect that to happen right and I thought the shoe was great I thought it was a great turn great surprise yeah it's like you're talking about someone who man I I, I put that woman on a pedestal mm-hmm. she's the mm-hmm. classiest woman in the history of professional wrestling here and then Ric Flair in a couple of weeks will say I'm the quarterback and I got my two wide receivers and he has. <laughs> Flair and Miss Elizabeth's armor. armor. That's fucking awesome. I did ask Dave one time. I said, who was prettier in real life? Miss Elizabeth or Missy Hyatt? You know what Dave said? Missy Hyatt, hands down. Hmm. I don't know. I never, well. I I mean, I, 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 yeah, I never saw, like, I never saw uh, either of them in person. Yeah, never, but, I yeah. mean, I get it. I get it. I, I, you know, the the pro wrestling illustrated photo from when we were like, you know, when oh, I was like yeah, eleven yeah, years old. Yeah. You were even younger. Yeah, and um, the blonde, the she's Missy's bustier, you know, you know, and well, at the time, you know, Missy Hyatt was that uh, video game, uh, video music video vixen kind of look, right? Mm-hmm. That us young men drooled over, and uh, but Miss. <laughs> See how I, I mean, Miss, Miss Elizabeth was. We still loved her too, but she was like the one you take home and you know want to meet mom and dad. Missy was like the I, one you know. You I love take them both. To the old I dugout. I can, <laughs> I, I, I can never pick. Jeez, the dugout. <laughs> you know, fast timers are high as there. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I could never pick. I love them both, but I did meet Me Missy too. in person once, though, so that was yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, and and she, uh, I interviewed her once as well, and she she will randomly reply to my messages and always use the phrase in every tweet about Meltzer, Big Dave. Uh, okay, last match, main event, Hulk Hogan against the Giant in a in, in the second cage match, pretty boring. You know, it's, it's funny because I just watched, I, I haven't finished it, but I watched most of it, the Andre versus. Hogan rivalry documentary on Annie. Mm. Okay. And like, it, it's good. Like the talking heads and Freddie Prince jr. And all that, you know, that's kind of like, eh, let, let's get yeah. past these guys. 
I don't I don't really care what JBL thinks about Andre the Giant from you know 1979. Never but, dealt with him ever. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> around him, he was dead. JBL yeah, came around. WF. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it made like it was just fun to kind of go back in that time frame from you know when I'm like 12 years old and watching this. Yeah. And I always mention this story, but. The San Jose Mercury News spoiled that Friday night main event finish for mm-hmm. me because that morning they told what the finish was going to be. And so I asked Dave, I was like, did you tell them? He's like, yeah, I'm sure I had. A, I probably talked to Mark Purdy, who wrote the article, and he, he wrote the whole thing in the in the newspaper the day before. And even though I got spoiled. I was the man that day at school, not not the man on Friday, because I, I yeah. told everyone it's going to happen. But on Monday when it happened. I was the man that day. Yeah. Junior yeah, high yeah. school. Uh, okay. So the giant who they are still saying is the son of Andre here. It, it's <laughs> Paul white. Absolutely. 100%. So much more athletic than Andre ever was the, the Andre that we saw. I'm sure in the seventies, the Andre well, was quite athletic. So he can actually do stuff, but it's almost like Hogan wanted like the same match as the Andre who could not do anything. I think and, one because the giant was so green too. I mean he could do yeah. athletic stuff, but I think Hogan because he was because giant was so green, let's just keep his simple brother, you know. Yeah. But that match that Hogan knows is that that same match, of course. Yeah. Runs giant into the cage. Um Hogan uses three leg drops on this dude and he just pops up. Um Giant does a pl- uh, a fallback into the ring, and Hogan climbs over the top as they're both sort of trying to battle to to go to the to the cage. So Hogan wins, and after this match, all kinds of people come in. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan comes in. Uh, the Giant is in. Ming comes in. Barbarian comes in. Hugh Morris, Zodiac, One Man Gang, The Shark. All these guys come in, and it's like nine on one. They all wait in line for Hogan to just hit them with a the chair and then they fall. Like it's the most preposterous thing you've ever seen. The poor uh, Brutus Beefcake, the Zodiac, the poor Zodiac is trying to get in line to take this cha- to chair to the head. And he keeps getting stuck in the middle of not being the right person to take the chair to the head. So he's kind of like, like got a fake, like he's about to take the chair, but then it doesn't come. So he's got to move. He's got to run around. He comes back. He ducks. Nope, not my turn. Goes back. It's it's the most preposterous thing you've ever seen. What was his deal, life. though? He was like, uh, he always would, would try to stop the giant for attacking Hogan because he was conflicted because he was, remember the yes, no, yes, no, weird. Hogan basically wants him to be his sidekick again. And yeah. he's like, you know, uh, you know, everybody's best buddy is, is, you know, is, is with them. So might as well, you know, Bruce might as well be my guy again. And I think that's kind of what we're getting to or, or where we're leading to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember if Brutus ever becomes Hogan's guy no. again, because no. when, when, when he's the NWO, then it's much different, but like, that's kind of where Hogan wanted him to be was his buddy again. Yeah, I don't think they get reunited too. He Bruce shows up super gassed out with a big beard as the disciple. Yeah, yeah. And then the Loch Ness shows up, but he will not get into the ring. They block yeah. him from from going into the cage, and 
he does not look well. He looks like a, a guy who is not long for this world. And that isn't just, I'm not just saying that because he's so large. True he just story. looks, he just looks defeated, man. I don't understand like why they chose this guy to be the guy to, you know, for this, this part. I don't understand why they did, why they went with him. Of course, he was, had a reputation, you know, a giant haystacks was his name mm-hmm. in the, in Europe. But he, I I think what happens is that I don't think he ever gets used because of some kind of medical condition that they can't even get cleared a lot of the Oh, is that why they run. they bring back Zeus for the uncensored? And uh Jeep Swenson, who had, who also there was the go. actor that played Bane and one of the Batman movies, I think with George Clooney, I think it was. He was not Bane was he Bane? Yeah, he was Bane. And um uh remember they were called the ultimate solution or the final mm-hmm. solution? And the Z, was that. he the Z gangster at this point, or was Z he... gangster? Yeah, yeah, we're we're you're jumping ahead here, but yeah, yeah we'll, get, we'll was... get there. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> Zeus, Tiny Lister, and Z gangster. Ninety six, no holds barred had, had been out already on the on TV. And Zodiac is a no holds barred character. Oh, is he? He's that's Bruce Beefcake I... plays is Zodiac in that movie. No way. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was the Zodiac killer from the. The real life guy who killed, and that's what they decided to look like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not laughing at that because it's funny of, of a killer, but just the idea behind Brutus Beefcake yeah. and all these silly gimmicks. Does he was. have a book, Brother Brutai? Does he have? I a think book he does. Out? Like, like, is think it? about it though. Think about it. I don't trust it. This though. dude had a great gimmick in Brutus the Barber, and then they changed the gimmick like a hundred times, and he never got anywhere close to being Brutus the Barber. Well, again. you can't the, you can't use it because he's in WWE. You couldn't use it. The Booty but Man, Booty Man, Brother Brute Eye, Booty Man, the Butcher, the, the Disciple, the Man with like, No Name, to Zodiac, no <laughs> the Disciple. <laughs> oh man, crazy times! All right, well, we thought who had more names, Bruce Beefcake or Barry Darso? Or maybe Barry Dawson had a better, more gimmicks than he did names. I feel like all of his gimmicks were still better than like Brutus's second best gimmick. Repo Man, Darso? yeah, Backtop Bully, Golfer Dawson though. Golfer well, Dawson okay. was kind of weird. Not. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. but most like, of them, I, I feel like they were better. Yeah, yeah. All right, we are done here. I hope you enjoyed the uh, different style that we use with this WCW ninety six. We went. We were pretty deep into some of this stuff. Yeah, I, I'm actually amazed we got done with it in uh, in an hour and a half, a little bit, a little bit over an hour and a half, but um, good stuff. So we will be back for WCW Uncensored. In is that in uh, mid March, late March? When is that? I should have looked before uh, we started. Uh, I think it's end of March. All right, let me let me let me see if I can find a release date here or find the second uh, last Sunday of the. March March 24th 1996 Ah. so we still we got a month to to get through all the nitros Um, there's no clashes again until more towards the end of the year there's one more clash in 96 but that's already NWO time by then Mm -hmm. so yeah we're just gonna go through the nitros and then we'll go through the uncensored pay-per-view but I'm fascinated by this Eric Bischoff and uh, and Vince McMahon war here so we'll follow up on that but uh, thanks to everyone for checking this out hopefully you enjoyed it uh, in the Discord for our Patreon subscribers, we have a new channel that is all the Patreon subscribers plus some of the podcasters. 
so you should have access to that channel. If you don't, you send me an email or find me on Discord, uh, gg at fightgamemedia.com. And if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you want us to tackle something specific, uh, hit me, hit us up in that Patreon-only room. Uh, you have access to all of us. So special room for, for Patreon subscribers. All right, that is it from here. We will talk to you again late March, just maybe early April, depending. But early April is WrestleMania. We, we better do this late March. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you then. Talk soon. See you when we see you. Peace. Out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.